I'm Frank Andorka, Editorial Director of Solar Power World Magazine. Welcome to another edition of Solar Speaks, Solar Power World's podcast series that gives you the opportunity to hear from the industry's biggest newsmakers in their own words. Today we're talking with John Perlin, an author, lecturer, and consultant on the subject of solar energy. His new book is called Let It Shine, the 6,000-year story of solar energy, which is in bookstores right now. John, welcome to the program. Frank, I feel very excited. You obviously have a long history of working with and writing about solar energy. What sparked this interest and what has sustained it over the years? What sparked it originally was I wanted to be a writer. There was this controversy in Santa Barbara. Should they build a onshore oil processing plant? There was no other reason than energy. And so I was curious if solar was a possibility. Went to the library, spent about half a year reading the current periodicals and found out that solar was indeed a great option, but hadn't been given much of a challenge. And so that's what I testified at, at the meeting when they were going to decide whether or not to build this processing plant. And a leading radio station in Santa Barbara said, we like your talk so much that if you wrote what you said at the hearing, we give you all the airtime you needed. And so I wrote this book called Solar Energy Backsheet, which told all the options and where they were and what they could do and what the uh, obstacles were and sold some. And then the librarian at Santa Barbara Library read it and thought it was so good that he said there's this alternative library a journal called Booklegger, and if they review it, you'll get orders from all over the world. So they reviewed it, they loved it, and got orders from all over the world, and I was invited to a conference, and somebody said there were solar water heaters in Southern California in the 19th century. And I said, wow, nobody really gets the chance to do something you know, totally new, you know, gathering new information that no one's ever heard about, and there's where I started. Well, I find this book fascinating, John. I'm a former history major, so I love books like this. Why did you decide to write it in particular? And it has a connection to an earlier book, right? It's Sire is a golden thread, 2,500 years of solar architecture and technologies. But as I continued, I wrote another book called From Space to Earth, The Story of Solar Electricity, which was the story of photovoltaics, the step-by-step development from uh, the time it began. In writing those books, I gained even a wider perspective, and I said I would like to include everything I was learning. And then in 1995, what changed me was I met some Chinese exchange students who I asked, were the Chinese ever interested in mass solar architecture? And they sort of laughed at me because they said, and grammar school, we learned how to tell time by the sun, and the house has a soft base. It gets a higher price. And I said, well, did it go back in time? And they said, oh, yes, there's all these documents that we could translate for you, which they did, which have never been translated into English before. And so began the new book. The first chapter, it's interesting you bring that up. The first chapter is called Chinese Solar Architecture. It's the first chapter in your book. As you are aware, a rivalry has sort of sprung up between Chinese and U.S. solar manufacturers here in the 21st century. Are you telling me that they beat us to the punch from the beginning? Well, they're the alpha and the omega of solar energy. They began building to take to scoop up sunlight in wintertime 6,000 years ago where the house had like a hat, so it kept out the high summer sun and let in the low winter sun into the well-oriented openings. Then about 4,000 years ago, they began designing whole cities so every house could get winter sunlight. And because they had those beautiful eaves, they kept out the summer sun. And there's multiple Chinese documents 
time periods that talk about insulation, that talk about energy saving. They developed a solar building principle where the traditional Chinese architecture always stays south with these overhangs to keep out the high sun in summer. What's even probably more amazing for me was the discovery I made that the Chinese also invented the concentrator, the solar concentrator. They, about 3,000 years ago, they began using them. Confucius writes about the duty of the eldest son to always carry a solar concentrator, which was called the Yangsui, or solar igniter, to light dinner fire for the family. And in the last 10 years, in China, they found multiple caches of these Yangsuis. In fact, they found a factory uh, that had molds for 30,000. So the Chinese also have the first solar device extent. So tell me who the American pioneers in the solar industry were and what they did to help build the industry as we know it today. First of all, the American pioneers go back to uh, trying to develop solar concentrators for power. Probably the first one was John Erickson. He spent his last 20 years trying to reap the rays of the sun. Then we had Aubrey Aeneas, who developed an even larger solar concentrator, and then Frank Schumann, who actually built a solar plant in Egypt in 1940 that looks very much like the parabolic trough that are now used, and he declared solar was now practical and competitive against fossil fuels. But as you know, 1914 was a bad year to be building because that's when World War I broke out. And in solar water heating, we have Clarence Kemp, who developed first solar, commercial solar water heater in 1891. And it was basically a glass-covered box with 25-gallon lock-painted tanks. He called it the Climax Solar Water Heater. And it sold very well, especially in Southern California. But the problem with the tank heaters is because both the storage and the collection was together up in the roof, wouldn't heat in the morning to, say, take a bath. So the solar water heater that we all use today, which is a separate collector and storage tank, was designed in 1909 by William J. Bailey, another American. So basically, solar water heater and the concentrators were developed in America, and the solar water heater industry had passed from California to Florida and then throughout the world. You talked about the movement to silicon. What fueled the switch from selenium, which is what they used prior to silicon? And obviously it had a huge effect on the industry, given that now almost all solar panels, at least to date, are made of silicon. What happened was um, selenium, which was the first solar cell, never got over 0.4% in efficiency. And Daryl Chapin of Bell Labs was actually experimenting with the selenium cells for a remote power project for Bell Laboratories. But at the same time, another group was developing silicon transistors, and one of the transistors they built had the PN junction very close to the surface. Because just serendipity, they shined a light on the PN junction, and the end result was efficiency of solar cell greater than 2.7%. And this was by an order of magnitude of about 7. Suddenly, they were onto the silicon solar cell project, and a year later, they had reached 6% efficiency, which they considered practical. They had a big news conference on April 25th, 1954, announcing it to the world. And one of their advertisements, I'll read it, says, the new Bell solar battery converts sunrise into electricity. This energy could be put to 
every land that mankind would ever need. And so then it bifurcated where uh, its terrestrial uses were very few, but the military quickly adopted or for the satellite programs because they discovered that the Vanguard, which was the first solar-powered satellite, lasted and lasted and lasted, while the other satellites that had previously been launched gave out in two or three weeks because they were based on batteries. Uh, and Dr. Elliot Berman was the first person, with the help of funding of Exxon of all places, to develop cheaper cells that could go on for industrial uses in remote areas. Knowing all of the history you do about the solar industry, what do you see as its future? What I see about the future is that there is absolutely no problem embracing and integrating solar energy into the future because it worked so well in the past. In fact, what we have today is because we have so many better technologies, uh, or a better toolkit, you might say, to build with and to work with. We have so many advantages over our ancestors, so there's no reason we shouldn't have every house as a solar plant, both using orientation and TV is just a wonder, able to turn sunlight directly into electricity without any moving parts. It's the only quantum power source. All the other power sources we have are based on 18th century models, and the amazing thing in photovoltaics is that the light that they keep, and so the efficiencies can be much higher potentially than any electrical generation source. Well, John, I could go on and talk to you forever. I, I absolutely love the kind of stuff that you wrote about. But I wanted to alert my listeners that we'll be serializing parts of your book on our website with links to where they can actually buy the book. And I recommend that everyone go to your local bookstore or you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much anywhere you want to find it and get this book. It's fantastic if you have any interest in the solar industry, particularly if you work in the solar industry, this is a must-read for you. And so it's been my pleasure and privilege to be talking to the author, John Perlin. Thanks, John. We've been speaking with John Perlin, an author, lecturer, and consultant on the subject of solar energy. And his new book is called Let It Shine, uh, The 6,000-Year Story of Solar Energy, which is in bookstores now. Go get it. You will not be disappointed. This has been Solar Speaks, Solar Power World Magazine's podcast series that gives you the opportunity to hear from the industry's biggest newsmakers in their own words. I'm Frank Andorka, Editorial Director of Solar Power World Magazine. Until next time.